When the new BBC competition, All That Glitters, aired, I was not only excited to see our trade represented on the screen, I was also pleasantly surprised by the variety of candidates on the programme. One of them in particular stood out for her unique approach and brave choices. To talk about her career to date and her experience taking part in the show, I have invited Tamara Gomez. Based in London, where she runs her own company, she focuses on bespoke pieces and experiments with rough gemstones. I would like to welcome you, Tamara. Hi. Hi, Sophie. Hello. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me. So the first question, Tamara, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. Uh, So I have been a jeweller for around 24 years now. I am based at Cockpit Arts in London and I tend to specialise in using uncut diamonds and raw gemstones and um, I guess I would say I have quite an idiosyncratic approach to uh, traditional goldsmithing techniques and use of materials. Our listeners may not be able uh, to see you right now, but if they would, they would recognize you from having taken part in most recently this TV show, All That Glitters. What made you decide to take part in the show? Well, I have to start with, it was never about winning a competition. When I was younger, particularly when I left college, I won quite a lot of awards and competitions, etc. But... The actual show itself was more of a personal adventure for me. At the time when they were casting for the show, I wasn't very happy um, professionally or personally. And I needed a challenge. I needed an adventure. I also knew that I needed to be pushed as a maker, um, technically and uh, creatively, conceptually. And I thought this could be the opportunity and it could actually get me out of a dark place as well. So it was a very, very, very personal reasons, actually. Um, it was never ever about winning because I know I'm not Britain's best jeweler. I'm never going to be close to being that, whatever that means anyway. So you have been a jeweler for many years. You said 24 and you studied at the Royal College of Art. What made you initially want to become a jeweller? I didn't plan to be a jeweller. My father was a surgeon, so I thought I was going to be a surgeon like him, but I wasn't really academic enough, unfortunately. Um, And I, I, when I was at school, I chose subjects that I enjoyed, which were more artistic subjects. And that journey evolved. I did an art foundation and you get to try out lots of different disciplines and I found that metalworking and jewellery was the discipline that I really enjoyed. I really enjoy working on a small scale, I enjoy the intimacy of uh, the working environment and I also enjoy the symbolism behind jewellery, the meaning behind it Um, and I get totally lost in it. So it just felt like the right thing. It was very intuitive, me going into jewellery making. And you have your own studio in London. Could you tell us what sort of a normal week in your jewellery practice looks like? 
Yeah, so the studio I'm in, um, I have my own space, but it's in a bigger room, which I share with a couple of other jewellers. Every day is different. At the moment, I'm pretty much working solidly on orders and bespoke commissions. And every single day is different. Some days I might be sitting at the computer um, going back and forth to clients with videos and pictures of stones, um, sketches and drawings, models, uh, Zoom meetings, contacting suppliers, doing quotes. And I do spend a huge amount of time doing that. And then other days I could just be solidly at the bench making or running around Hatton Garden. But there's no, no day is similar at all, at all. And some days are very long. Some days are very, very long. It's a passion, isn't it? When you choose to be a jeweler, you kind of commit to a non-stop sometimes career. It's definitely a passion and you definitely have to, you're doing it not because of the money, although you can earn a living from it. I'm very grateful that I do earn a living from what I do, but you have to be quite dedicated and focused and you're doing it for the love of it essentially that's why you're doing it when watching this show i felt your style and experimental approach really stood out is this something that you have always cultivated in your practice or did taking part in the program encourage this development i think i've always been fairly experimental even when i was at college 25 plus years ago I was very experimental in the choice of materials I was using and techniques and approaches. I think when I went on the program, I was at a point professionally where I wasn't particularly feeling very confident about what I was doing. So it, it felt to me like I was going back to college in a way by going on the program. And it was an opportunity for me to let my hair down creatively and technically. And so, yes, it did encourage this development in myself to be more experimental and to stick to my ideas. And maybe I went a little bit off on a tangent at times, but it was really important for me to enjoy being on the programme for however long I was in the competition. And the only way I could make that happen was to enjoy myself and the only way I could enjoy myself was to make design and make pieces of jewelry that I wanted to make that's a good philosophy yeah even if they were more experimental and a little bit out there it's not intentional it's just the way I work and design yeah for those who haven't watched the show um, there were these challenges each week to produce like bestsellers and bespoke pieces was there a particular challenge that for you stood out most? Oh, I think it's definitely the diamond ring that I made in week five um, in semi-finals. The reason being is um, I use this method where I set diamonds in molten metal. It's not a technique. It's um, a culmination of me experimenting with lots of different techniques to bring them together to uh, create a particular aesthetic. I have never used this method using a one carat 
flawless princess cut diamond that was worth thousands of pounds. I know I probably will never get the opportunity to do that again, or maybe I will, who knows. But it was something that I thought, I've got the opportunity to do it, why not try it? Um, either way, I, I knew, and I think the producers knew it was going to be good television. Yes, it kept us on our seats for sure. <laughs> I mean, if it had gone wrong, then okay, it would have gone wrong and I, you know, but I would have tried it. If I hadn't have tried it, I would have really regretted it. Um, it was a huge learning curve and it was a bit of a boost for me, for my confidence. Um, and it was, yeah, I think for me, a real standout moment. I, I was very brave doing it. Crazy, perhaps even. But um, I have no regrets at all. It was so exciting. And the adrenaline, not only in me, but throughout the whole set was just insane. <laughs> yeah, we, all of us felt it at home as well, <laughs> watching it. You mentioned it's not about winning and you did not win the show. But were there any unexpected benefits of taking part in the programme? I think um, I found... Both Sean Lean and Solange Azagiri Partridge, the judges, to be very encouraging and nurturing. It was almost like being mentored, and I wasn't really expecting that. They, I found this for me. They were very encouraging for me to be me, to be experimental, to put my own, my stamp, my style onto everything that I did, and. I came away feeling it's okay to be me. It's okay to do the designs that I do. It's okay to make the jewellery that I make. Um, and I think before I'd gone on to the show, I was questioning all of those things. And to get that kind of validation from two designers in the industry who were so well-known and so respected was um, quite a boost for me, actually. And uh, really helped me afterwards very much. So, yeah. There were mixed reviews in the industry of the program, with many sort of questioning the short timeframes to produce these challenges and respond to the briefs. Having taken part, what do you feel were its strengths? I think the strengths, and I, I, for me, were that was that it really pushed me in a way that I haven't been pushed for many, many, many years. It's made me, it made me experiment with new techniques. It made me experiment with new materials. It made me make pieces of jewelry I've never made before. I, I never made a gold locket in all my 24 years of being a jeweler, never wanted to, never needed to. And then suddenly I had to make one. Um, I think that's a wonderful experience for a designer to be put in that situation. You will come away, or I came away, with so much more knowledge and having learned so much. It, it was a, a wonderful feeling, actually. So I think that was a really strong part of the show. Um, I also think that the world of jewellery making um, to the public is um, very hidden, it's very closed for lots of different reasons, security, etc., being one of them. 
I hope it gave a very interesting insight to the public and to how jewellery is made, um, the type of skills needed, uh, particularly handmade jewellery, the time involved, the precision involved, the focus that's needed. And I hope that in turn that, ref that has an effect on all, all jewellers making handmade jewellery that when their customers come to them, they'll appreciate that. They will definitely appreciate that. Um, I don't think people will be expecting pieces of jewellery to be made in three hours. I think, um, I, I know a lot of people have said that, oh, the customer's going to come to me saying you can make that in four hours because that's how it's made on the show. Um, I disagree with that because I think most people watching these types of programmes um, they know the format, they know the pressure we're put under. It's not real life. It's, it's edutainment. That's what it is. Yeah. I did want to add though that, um, huge amount of respect for all the other jewelers in the show. Uh, wonderful people, great jewelers. They all had, um, amazing skills. And, um, yeah, I hope everyone gets something good out of being on the show. I really do. Oh, that's so great. It was, it looked like a really nice bunch of people, very supportive of one another, which is rare for a competition. Um, we had a lot of fun together, particularly off camera. That's the stuff you don't see, but yeah, it was a bit, bit mad, a bit mental, definitely. <laughs> and then for anyone thinking about applying to the show for the next round, do you have any tips? Yeah, I think a couple of people have contacted me saying, look, I'm thinking of applying. What are they looking for? I have no idea. Um, I mean, some people have said, oh, well, they just want people with personality. It's not just about personality. It's a package. And what that package is that you might have, I have no idea whether that's going to be right for the show or not. Um, and it's not even just ticking basic boxes either. It's much more than that. Um, of course, they want diversity. Of course, they want a mix of men and women. They want people from different parts of the trade. But you just have to be yourself. You, that is, I think all I, actually, that's the strongest piece of advice I can give is just be yourself. Whether that's right for the show or not, I have no idea. And I know that's, I don't know if that's good advice, but don't try and be something you're not because I don't think it's going to do anyone any favours in the long run. And I would say if you are, if you are going to be on the show, because obviously I know it will be secret, I have no idea who's going to be chosen. Um, it's a lot of hard work. So look after yourself. And also when the show goes on air, I mean, it's completely transformed my business and things have got quite crazy for me in terms of work and inquiries. It's a wonderful problem to have, but be ready and be prepared before the show goes on air because, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, a window of opportunity to get your profile out there. So you make the most of it. Do you think that there could be other things done like this? to help jewellers who are sort of studio-based? 
I think um, on your own social media platforms, and some jewelers do that with great effect by videoing their process, etc. I don't do anything like that. Um, I'm just too busy. I really don't have the time. Um, and also, I don't really want to put the time into that. I'd rather be spending that time at the bench making. And also, it's really important to have a life outside jewellery. It's, and it's really important to set those boundaries and, you know, six o'clock, seven o'clock, whenever you finish work, go home, don't look at social media, don't don't care about what what's happening in jewellery, go out for a drink, go to a gig, go and see a film, hang out with your family and friends. You'll, better, you'll be a better jeweller for it, you know. You definitely will, you know, by knowing that there is a world outside jewellery. Um, I think it's really important to have that balance. Otherwise, we can get so obsessed with what everyone else is doing. And that's the unfortunate thing about social media. All you see is someone's life through a series of squares or reels or stories. It's no reflection on what their real life is like. Um, one of the greatest lessons I learned about social media is success does not equal likes and follows. It really doesn't. If somebody has 100,000 followers, it doesn't mean they're successful because what does that mean? What exactly does it mean? And I know some very successful creative people that A, might not even do social media or just keep it on a really low profile because they're too busy being good at what they do. We touched upon it earlier. There is running a business on your own requires from bookkeeping all the way through to making and then social media and marketing. And, you know, Tamara, in a way, what is your best trick sort of to find the balance between the making? You say all your weeks are different. Is there any tricks and tips that you can give about that? Um, I've now got somebody working with me remotely to do admin. So if things get really busy, then you might have to pay people to do other work for you. And the other thing is setting boundaries with people, particularly clients. Um, I think it's always better to under-promise and over-deliver and um, also set boundaries because some people feel that they can really push your boundaries and expect something yesterday. Um, if they're willing to wait, they will wait. And if they're not willing to wait, then perhaps you're just not the right customer. You know, um, your sanity, your mental health, your physical health is far more important. And people will try and push those buttons and... I've had that a lot recently from some people and it's it's like it's great to be in demand but for the um I won't sacrifice my health over it. So um so at the moment, I mean as we talk today, I haven't posted anything on social media for about two weeks. And I'm okay with that. It's fine, you know, the world's not gonna end, I'm not missing out on anything, no one else is missing out on anything from me. I'm actually tied to my workbench making. So, um, so it's, yeah, it's kind of knowing when to stop some things in order to do other things more effectively. Mm. And to not feel guilty about those decisions, right? Yeah. Absolutely. You should never feel guilty for, 
from stepping away from something or focusing your attention elsewhere. Never. If, if, if it's your business, you can run it exactly how you choose to. What's in store for you next and in the near future? Is there anything we can be looking forward to you seeing you do next? Or are you going to really focus on the bespoke commissions? Or I really want to spend some time designing and making new work and a new collection in time for autumn. At the moment, I don't know when that's actually going to happen because I am literally spending every day making orders and um, I'm still getting so many inquiries coming in. Um, So again, it's me having to say to people, this might take three months now because I need to be at the bench designing work, etc. So again, it's making that decision, setting a boundary. I've got lots of beautiful new stones, some amazing new rough diamonds and some beautiful sapphires from Sri Lanka that I'm dying to work with. And the only way I'm going to get to do that is by literally hiding myself maybe one or two days a week to just crack on with that collection. Um, but there's some you know, beautiful cuts and colours of stones and I've got loads of new things that I'm itching to make, hopefully we're looking September, October, when they'll be ready. How important is the physical making for you? Because we could see that you think through making. You don't want to work with someone else to make for you, or do you? Is that something you would ever consider? I am actually in the process of trying to find people that can work for me and with me. You know, I'm looking for like skilled goldsmiths that can come in or I can give work to so that they can hit the ground running. But the making is a really important thing for me. Relinquishing some things is really hard. But if I don't do that, then the lead times for people waiting for work is uh, is going to be months. Because otherwise, I'm just making everything on my own, and it's physically back breaking. It's um, it's not doing me any good, men- and mentally and physically. So I am in the process of trying to delegate the work out, but that doesn't happen overnight. It takes months to get that in place. Yeah, and it might be a new sort of collaborative approach of working that might be interesting. Possibly, possibly. I'm open to lots of opportunities and I've had some interesting opportunities presented to me already. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Too often, small bespoke jewellers fly under the radar. A TV show like All That Glitters enabled us to have a look behind the bench of jewellers that deploy their skills to make unique pieces and experiment along the way. In Tamara's case, we got to see a jeweller with personality and a unique approach. Her career focused on bespoke pieces shows others there is a way to be a jeweller without running necessarily a large shop or having to compromise your identity. Careers in the jewellery industry take many shapes and it's exciting that we got to follow Tamara's journey on the All That Glitters programme. Thank you so much, Tamara, for joining us today to shed a light on your practice and your experience in the programme. We very much look forward to seeing what you do next. Thank you so much, Sophie. And thanks everyone for listening. Thank you.
Next month, I'll be joined by another guest. So watch this space to find out who it is. But for now, this was Sophie Poons for the BAJ podcast titled All That Glitters with Tamara Gomez. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.